What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over here at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. Today, we're going over the card market do's and don't do's heading into the 2020-2021 NBA season. Of course, uh, that's right around the corner. We are uh, experiencing some of the hype, some of the excitement around the NBA preseason that's currently ongoing. Uh, so to try and equip you for what to do and how to handle some of the information as it starts coming out more quickly, we're going over just a couple do's and do nots. Uh, before we get there, I wanted to share with you a couple of uh, news pieces of news from us over here at Slab Stocks. First up, we started up a Discord this week. If you don't know what Discord is, it's basically a chat room where you can gather with other people who have the same interests, uh, ask questions, give answers, learn, laugh, all that good stuff. Uh, we have lots of different channels, all focusing on sports cards, basketball, baseball, football, soccer, of course. But we even have UFC, Formula One, NASCAR, if you're into, into those sort of things. Uh, every single channel that we have is fairly active. So if you have an, a specific interest in the card marketplace, you're probably going to find someone there that will be able to talk with you about it. Uh, there's already about 900 people joined as of this recording. Uh, so please feel free to join as well if you haven't so already. Uh, also, make sure you read through the rules before you start posting. Oh, and by the way, uh, through January 1st, you can see it on the screen if you're watching on YouTube, anyone that joins the Discord will automatically be entered into a giveaway featuring Kobe, uh, Michael Jordan, and Jaron Jackson Jr. cards. So please go sign up. You'll be automatically entered. Hopefully, we can get you a, a free card. Uh, next bit of news right off the top, we're also starting up Slab Stocks Breaks. That's opening up this Wednesday. Uh, we're going to be breaking Chronicles and Mosaic for the first break. You can watch that live on YouTube this Wednesday night. Uh, I believe all of the spots for the first break have already been purchased. Uh, but we're going to be doing many more to come, uh, which you can find out about ahead of time if you're on the Discord and if you follow us on Instagram at Slab Stocks, but mainly go and follow SX Breaks. It's going to be a, a new page for us. Uh, if you follow that, you'll never miss a scheduled break. We're going to be offering uh, breaks at all different budget levels, trying to make the card market available for anyone at any different budget. Uh, as we break, we're also going to be talking uh, about the players and the cards, trying to give you as much insight as we can. So even if you didn't get a spot, uh, I'm hoping that this will be a helpful live stream for you. Uh, so be sure to check that out this Wednesday evening, which will be tomorrow by the time you're watching this, perhaps. Um, I believe it's going to be at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. That time is subject to change from week to week. Okay, so card market do's and don't do's, do nots in the 2020-2021 NBA season. I have two general do's and do nots for this season. They're very obvious, uh, but we all still fall into the same traps month after month because that's just human nature. The first don't do, don't overreact to the newest trend. You know, we all have that fear of missing out that makes us do things that probably just aren't wise when we're doing them. But, you know, the inability to predict the future generally leads to us having the rosiest view of a player's possible outcomes, especially when we're seeing everyone else chasing a certain player. Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions about our Slab Stocks Instagram page is that, you know, we'll post a, a nice trend graph on the page. You'll see half a dozen replies that say, well, how can you be recommending this player as a buy when clearly his prices aren't going to sustain this level? 
And that's just not what we're doing at our Slab Stocks Instagram. It's not to show you based on a trend line who you should buy or who you should not buy. The goal is just to show you what's going on in the market in general. Uh, if you see a huge spike on one of our posts, generally you've probably already missed the boat. Uh, if you see a price decrease, perhaps that could be a good buying opportunity. But really, you just need to figure out why the price went up or why it went down and then do your best reckoning of whether or not the market on a particular player will rebound or if it'll go through a correction. So don't overreact to the newest trend. Uh, of course, if you've been paying attention lately, you know exactly where this is going. Uh, the first recipient of the early preseason hype train, that's Talon Horton Tucker, second year guard out of Iowa State playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, we're looking at his mosaic silver rookie card today. Uh, you can see how his market's really taken off in the past few days. After hovering around the $5 to $15 range um, for the better part of a month, he had a good game in the Lakers preseason opener against the Clippers. In the Lakers win, he played 37 minutes, added in 19 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 steals. Uh, shot pretty poorly, just 35% from the field overall and one for four from three-point range. Uh, but the good thing was that he was uh, shooting so willingly, which often doesn't happen with, with young players. Uh, we know that he needs the reps, so it's good that he's getting them right now. Uh, he then followed that up on Sunday night in the Lakers' second preseason victory over the Clippers by playing 41 minutes, chipping in 33 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, and four steals while shooting 65% from the field and hitting four of five from three-point attempts. Uh, LeBron James added to the excitement on Saturday by tweeting out, telling you now, uh, telling you right now, this kid is flat out special, mark my words. And this all sort of culminated in, in Horton Tucker's market just exploding, uh, both in price and in quantity of sales. His cards have been you know, just flying off of eBay over the past several days. And again, uh, we're looking at his, his raw mosaic silver prices. Uh, they jumped immediately from that $5 to $15 range uh, to an average sale price of $75 as of Sunday evening, with many sales ending up around the $100 mark late last night uh, after his 33-point performance. I am recording this on Monday, so uh, that was last night. I don't know what is happening with the sales today or tonight, obviously. Uh, there are some special qualities to Horton Tucker's game. Uh, he is only 20 years old. Uh, he's got a very muscular build. He also has elite length with a seven foot one inch wingspan to go with his six foot four inch frame, which is uh, pretty incredible. Uh, this allows him to guard a variety of positions despite his below average height. Uh, and he defends, defends with what scouts call that bulldog mentality. And these you know, really are the calling cards that got him drafted. Uh, despite his performance from last night, offensively is where he's still very much a work in progress. Uh, he's been a streaky shooter going back to college. Uh, that leads to frequent criticism against him that, you know, that he does have a questionable shot selection, which really just pretty much means that he shoots um, with somewhat low efficiency. And he's been below average from three, although there is a, a strong hope that he can turn into a three and D type of player. Going back two years to his lone year at Iowa State, uh, we can see some of those strong defensive numbers. 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks per game. The latter, very impressive for a six foot four inch player. Uh, he also added in nearly five rebounds per game. Uh, again, for a guy his size, really clearly very impressive. Um, strong frame, low center of gravity, elite length. Uh, those are all help him on the boards. Uh, he's always going to be an elite rebounder for his position. But on the other side of the ball, 
He shot just 40% from the field overall. And on 4.5 three-point attempts per game, he had a just under 31% success rate. Now, the caveat is that when he was playing up in Ames, Iowa, he wasn't afforded the type of teammates that he has now. And often he was forced into an ISO-heavy role. Uh, and so, of course, we do have the low percentages. But for the most part, this all continued on next year or the next year, which was last season in the G League. Uh, again, strong defensive numbers, 1.4 steals, uh, 0.6 blocks per game, 6.3 rebounds also. Um, but on 16 field goal attempts, he shot only 42% from the field. And on just over six three-point attempts per game, he had an identical just under 31% success rate uh, that he hit in college. Uh, now that he's with the Lakers, uh, he obviously has the best teammates that he's ever had anywhere or will have anywhere since LeBron and Anthony Davis are two of the best teammates in NBA history. Uh, but it would be foolish if we just expected his offensive problems to be magically fixed. Uh, as we saw in the first preseason game, he did shoot very poorly overall, 35% from the field, a bit worse than his average, but not by much. Um, the 33-point perform performance from last night, obviously an outlier, as he shot 65% from the field, and no one does that except for super efficient bigs that just live at the rim. Uh, I wouldn't bet against him improving offensively, since he is only 20 years old. That leaves a ton of room for growth in this regard. Uh, and again, playing with great teammates that he has, it's really going to help him in the long run, uh, especially since it looks like he's going to have LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, next to him for four years, uh, assuming, of course, that he is a Laker for that same amount of time also. Uh, but look, uh, buying into his mosaic uh, silver rookie cards at $100 or more, uh, probably just not going to work out super well in the short term, uh, unless, of course, your short-term flips involve you selling in the next week or so, then that could work. But look, this, this Lakers team, they won the championship last year, and they only got deeper. Uh, let's look at who he's competing with for minutes. First off, you have Anthony Davis, who last year averaged 34 minutes per night uh, with, with the short offseason and the championship run. I'd expect that to drop a little bit just for the sake of rest, but I really wouldn't expect a huge drop, probably around the 33-minute or so uh, mark per night, I would guess. Uh, LeBron James, he averaged nearly 35 minutes per game last season. I'd be shocked if he matched that again with the short break uh, and a year older. So I, my best guess, my best guesstimation, likely around 31 minutes per night. Uh, then there's new pickup, center Mark Gasol, a slick passing big that really should fit perfectly into this team. Uh, last year, he played around 26 minutes per night with the Raptors, but uh, he is about to turn 36 years old. I would guess that he's probably only going to play somewhere in the 18 to 20 minute per night range. Uh, so let's be uh, generous to Taylor Horton Tucker. Let's say Gasol's only going to play 18 minutes per night. Then you have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He started 21 games in the playoffs last year. I expect him to start this year as well. He averaged 25 minutes per night last regular season. Um, with a shortened lineup going into the postseason, he averaged 29 minutes per night. Uh, he did resign also on a three-year, $39 million deal and is right in his prime at 27 years old. Uh, so I'm just going to assume a slight increase in minutes from last regular season, call it 26 minutes per night. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, he was acquired in the trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, likely to be starting at point guard. I would assume the timing of the trade was important since he does have this one year left on his current contract meaning that the Lakers will be able to re-sign him next season, even without any cap space, because they'll be able to use his bird rights. And so I would expect 
him to be right around the LeBron James, Anthony Davis uh, minutes in, in terms of how much he's going to play. Uh, we're going to call it 32 minutes per night. Uh, that brings us to the bench rotation, starting off with Montrez Harrell. Uh, he stuck around Los Angeles, just switched locker rooms, should be the first off the bench when Marc Gasol exits the game, uh, likely going to be filling many of those uh, Marc gasol minutes. I will say he's sitting at around 25 minutes per night. The untradeable, untouchable Kyle Kuzma. Uh, he averaged 25 minutes per game last season, only averaged 23 minutes per night in the postseason with a shortened bench. I assume he's going to take a bit of a dip in minutes with the deeper rotation this year, but he's still going to sport enough so that the Lakers can at least keep up the illusion that he has some sort of trade value. So we'll say he has 23 minutes in line for him this year. Uh, then there's the vet minimum addition, leaving the Bucks to try and win a link, uh, ring in Los Angeles. That's Wesley Matthews. He's going to be soaking up a ton of the shooting guard minutes behind KCP. Uh, somewhere around the 18 to 20 minutes per night mark for our purposes I will say it's 18 minutes. Then there's fan favorite Alex Caruso. Averaged 18 minutes per night last season. That rose up to 24 minutes per night in the playoffs with a short rotation. And he even started a finals game. So he's clearly an important piece for this Lakers team. He's going to remain that. Uh, but for Horton Tucker's sake, let's say Caruso sticks to only those 18 minutes that he averaged last year. And then there's Markeith Morris, who was a pretty important addition last year that came over from the trade uh, from Detroit. Uh, he averaged 14 minutes per game over his 14 regular season games last year, um, but 18 minutes per game in the playoffs. Let's leave a little bit of meat on the bone for our boy Taylor. Uh, let's say Markeep's only going to get 12 minutes per night. There's only 240 minutes in a regular game, a regular you know duration game. That leaves just a sliver at the very edge of the rotation of about four minutes for our preseason sensation. Uh, the Lakers are, are obviously going to be giving guys nights off. Um, there will be adjustments in the minutes from night to night with foul trouble and rest and whatnot. But really, best case scenario for Horton Tucker, what can we hope for? You know, six minutes, eight minutes perhaps on average. Uh, you know, Maybe Wes Matthews plays a little bit less since he is a little bit older. Uh, and then Tucker could perhaps get up to 10 minutes per night on average, but I kind of doubt it. And even if he's at that 10-minute average, you're looking at just a five-minute slice in each half, neither starting the game nor ending the game. So it's going to be pretty tough sledding if you're hoping that these two preseason games mean that Tucker is about to take off in the regular season. Uh, you know, the minutes just aren't really going to be available for him. They say that he's going to have a role on the team, but by all indications, you can expect it to be a rather small role on average. And so $100 or more for a Mosaic Silver rookie card, that's not even graded. Uh, just doesn't make a whole ton of sense. Perhaps in the long run, it does. Um, but I think we might be jumping the gun by a year or two before we see any sort of a, a payoff on these investments. And most likely, his market's going to retreat quite a bit you know, once we're a month or so into the regular season and start focusing on other players. Uh, this all reminds me of a guy that this happened to just a couple months ago in the NBA bubble. Of course, this happens all the time with guys. Um, but the most recent one that you could probably remember was Bull Bull. On July 22nd, he had some of his first ever NBA action. Uh, Bull Bull was the rookie sensation of the moment. He he uh, came out from the um, the preseason scrimmage or the pre-bubble warm-up scrimmage, whatever it was. 
He was blocking shots. He was leading the break. He was hitting threes in dudes' faces. Just, you know, really incredible to see. And we saw his prices skyrocket literally overnight. His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards went up from, from right around $200 or so all the way up to $600 on just one scrimmage, essentially. Uh, they kept rising from there. Uh, the play-in games then commenced. His minutes were a little inconsistent. He played as many as 24 minutes in those games and as few as three minutes, uh, which did leave to lead to a sizable drop in his market. And then the playoffs started, and he was essentially out of the rotation for the most part. He played a smattering of minutes in four different games where they were all a big losses. Uh, we saw the prices then decrease from there until they had a baseline of support, which is kind of interesting, right around the $300 mark. And they stayed there for a couple of months and never really uh, retreated below that. Um, then now we have the season approaching again. His prices started rebounding, you know, right along with the rest of the league, really. And then on December 7th, the Denver Nuggets took to Twitter and they tweeted out a practice highlight video of the young big. And we saw another pretty sizable leap in his market. I would expect that to continue here for a little bit. What we don't know is how many minutes we can expect for the, from the son of Manute Bull uh, going into this year. You know, Neither the Nuggets nor Bull Bull see him as a center. That's due to his, his extremely, obviously, slender frame, uh, meaning that he's going to be fighting for minutes from one of the forward positions. A majority of those forward minutes are gonna be going to Jermichael Green, Paul Millsap, Will Barton, and of course, Michael Porter Jr. I really, 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 really like what Bull Bull brings to the table. Just extremely unique, able to block shots, able to hit threes, able to lead the break. That's all awesome. But we saw it in a major way a couple months ago, and I'm just wary of it happening again. I just don't know how many minutes he's gonna play this year on, again, a very deep Nuggets team. And so in the short term, I don't think we're going to see the sort of investment return that we would obviously like. Now, I still like him long term. And if your buying's hold for another year, you'll probably be just fine. But I don't see how he's going to get a ton of minutes this season outside of injured players. Uh, again, I really like him. But if you're chasing a trend with the fear of missing out, you're probably going to get burned in the short term. So I want you to remember this chart uh, when you see something going on with a guy like Talon Horton Tucker, who's probably just going to also have a hard time finding minutes over the next season or two. Uh, if you really like a guy like Horton Tucker or Bull Bull before him or Bull's teammate MPJ before him, just wait a month and see if you still feel strongly about the player, because by that time, prices have probably started retreating and you'll be able to buy the dip and get a better deal. The natural companion to our first point, don't overreact, is do study and research before buying. Uh, I'm going to say this. It does drive me nuts when people just say this over and over and over again. Uh, and without telling you actually what they do for research, it's pretty much just cliche at this point. So I kind of hate to even say it. Uh, but going to anyways. Uh, personally, I really do try to pack as much research and study into these videos as possible. So if you just keep watching Sam Dunks, my goal is that you'll have a pretty decent baseline of research to go off of just by sitting here and consuming these 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, but there's so much that I don't cover every single week. And there's a, a ton that you can pick up on outside of this to get to the market before player, you know, on players before they become big trenders. Uh, I should clarify. Uh, I've been buying cards ever since I was 
probably eight years old or so, I imagine. I started going to, to prices in Milwaukee at that time, and I was buying a lot of cards. I always have ever since then. Uh, but my entrance into sports cards, and, and particularly basketball cards, is a sport-first approach. You know, I love cards, uh, but they are really secondary to my love of sport, which you can probably tell from my videos. I'm definitely not as strong in some of the nuances of cards or card market history, because that's just never really been my approach to the space. I do believe I am somewhat proficient at analyzing you know, what's going on on the court and also knowing kind of the bigger picture of some of the teams and the bigger picture of the NBA. And so I always try to analyze cards through that lens. Uh, some people are really very strong at just straight up card knowledge, like uh, like Slabstock's Aaron. And I believe his love is of cards first and then the love of sports is, is more secondary for him. And that shows in his videos. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he's got an extremely advanced knowledge of the card market in general. And you can tell it. Uh, there's other content creators out there that have just a very data-driven approach. You know, just look at some of the available market data and some of the trend lines. Uh, and then they make, you know, recommendations off that alone. Um, there's just a lot of different ways you can look at this. I can only really share what I've always done as I try and analyze who's a good buy, and that's really a player and basketball first approach. So I want to share with you what I try to do. Uh, first off, obviously watching basketball is going to be one of the best things you can do. Pay attention to the national games, especially TNT, uh, ESPN, because you know those are the players that are going to be regularly uh, getting the most benefit from a rapidly evolving market. But if you don't have the time to do that, if you don't have those channels, maybe uh, there's still a tons of things that you can do. Uh, I do consume a ton of podcasts, maybe like, I don't even know, maybe 20 hours per week or so on average. Uh, probably too much, honestly, but uh, that's one of the best ways to get a baseline of NBA knowledge and also figuring out what's going on in the NBA market, what's going to happen next in the NBA market. I listen to a lot of different podcasts for this. I'll share some with you here. Uh, greatest of all talk that's with Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp comes out twice weekly it is a subscription of $4.99 per month but it's also easily the best NBA podcast out there in my opinion uh, then there's all the podcasts at the locked on podcast network uh, which are generally really very good uh, they hire team specific analysts uh, they have one for every single NBA team um, I found the analysts to be uh, very knowledgeable for the most part um, and even though they're obviously you know, biased towards their team and they're fans of their teams, a lot of them also seem to be very realistic about what's going on with the team and then can paint a realistic picture for you. Uh, I also like Old Man and the Three. That's with J.J. Redick and Tommy Alter. Uh, lots of player interviews involved there, and they give you a pretty unique insider perspective of what's actually going on in the NBA locker room and what players are thinking as they go through these things, which uh, it's helpful to have that mindset. Uh, there's the low post with Zach Lowe. Uh, he does a pretty good large picture perspective of the NBA, as well as giving his uh, assessment on various players. I also do like the Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Um, I usually listen to that around draft time. Uh, he's often joined by former Grizzlies GM John Hollinger. They give a great perspective on various prospects. Uh, that's also from the Locked On Podcast Network. And then another one from Locked On Podcast Network is Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. Uh, that's a really good one to pay attention to for game-to-game -game results. It's, it's geared toward fantasy basketball, uh, but it can help you figure out you know, what players to pay attention to, uh, what on-court trends may continue, and what on-court trends may not continue. 
Um, and this is just some of them. There's others too that I listen to. Uh, the Game Theory with Sam Vicenti, uh, Ryan Rasilla podcast, Bill Simmons podcast, Watch podcast. Uh, all of them have have different things to offer, and I would recommend you taking some time to listen to some podcasts if you haven't. If you can't listen to podcasts, I would encourage you to pay attention to the NBA articles written on the Athletic or the Ringer. Uh, they'll often be talking about you know whatever player or team is trending at the moment, but you can usually be slightly ahead of the curve. If you're just consuming those articles, um, you should be able to figure out what players to target just by seeing who they're targeting for clicks. Uh, you can also read the team-specific blogs at SB Nation for a bit of a better look at what's going on with a specific team. Or, uh, I've done this in the past, uh, even go to a team-specific subreddit on, on, uh, on Reddit, uh, and you'll be able to peruse the comments and you know, usually a lot of unusable hot takes in there. Uh, but you can also pretty easily glean what fans are thinking about a specific player. In general, if all you're going to use is Twitter to try and figure out who to target next, you're often going to be tar targeting trends as they happen, which leads to these huge spike ups that generally don't last for very long and will probably lose you some money. Uh, you should also be diving into the stats as much as possible. Uh, anyone can read a box score, uh, but if you go to a site like nba.com backslash stats, there's a huge wealth of information available to sort through. Uh, and after a while, you'll develop a pretty good eye for trends that will sustain or won't sustain. Uh, for instance, you know, you get a dude that'll be averaging, you know, 15 points, 10 rebounds. People see that and they're like, oh my goodness, tripping over themselves to try and buy them. But you can also dive deeper than just that. If you see that the team is actually worse with that player on the court, well, you know what? The teams know that too. And he's likely going to be a bench big by his next contract. You know, so learning to spot that stuff is extremely helpful. Uh, maybe I'll do a, a video on, on the statistical approach to all this in the future to help you with some of that. If, if anyone's interested, if not uh, interested, if not, then maybe I won't do that. Um, I should also note that NBA.com just rejiggered their whole interface. And it's super annoying to me because now I, I've been having a hard time finding anything. Uh, usually what I do is I just Google exactly what I'm looking for and then click the link for the proper NBA.com page. Uh, basketball reference, I did have some of their stuff earlier in this show. Uh, they're also helpful, but maybe a little more limited in scope. Um, but going to the advanced section of basketball reference is a pretty good first step. Uh, and so based off of a lot of that type of research, if you're looking for guys who might blow up, well, you know, well, so many people are chasing the tail and Horton Tuckers of the world uh, who likely aren't going to have a ton of opportunity, you should instead be buying up guys that will have quite a lot of minutes available or just maybe have quite a little minute, lot of minutes available and who stand a decent enough chance of surprising people because they're kind of flying under the radar. I'm not going to be talking about prices specifically, um, but just players who I think have such an opportunity. I'm going to give you eight guys today. Um, just real quick hitters here. Uh, could be a guy like Darius Garland, who has all the talent in the world to be a really good point guard, but who basically missed a college career due to injury. Uh, then he was thrown into a bad situation last year in Cleveland, uh, but who now I wouldn't be super surprised to see some real big strides from in year two. Or it could be his teammate, Kevin Porter Jr., who uh, was arrested recently, um, and there's still questions surrounding that whole situation, uh, but on the court probably has the highest potential, highest ceiling of any of the young Cavs players. I kind of assume he's going to be coming off the bench to start the season, but uh, still just a very good, exciting prospect. Uh, Nick Claxton is a guy that you can be excited about as far as his talent goes. Um, I assume his breakout is going to be a little further down the line. Uh, this doesn't really fit into my, my theme of this slide because 
Uh, probably not going to see a whole ton of minutes to start with this Nets team, but I wouldn't be totally surprised if a guy like Jarrett Allen is traded at some point this season to try and bolster the Nets title hopes. And if that was the case, that would bolster or some open up some room for Nick Claxton, or maybe he's the guy that's traded. Either way, I could see some room um, in the minutes coming for him uh, pretty soon within the next couple of months. Uh, that's more of a deep sleeper. Uh, Chris Boucher is a uh, another guy who should see a big increase in minutes this year with Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka departing the Raptors. Uh, so new opportunity, likely going to mean some big things for him. He's always been sort of a permanent monster. We just haven't seen a ton of minutes from him so far. Uh, so I I am looking at him. Uh, he doesn't have a whole ton of cards available. Uh, he has like a Panini Instant, and that's pretty much it. Um Malik Monk, he's another guy that you can buy for dirt cheap at the moment, but who was really starting to come alive uh, in the new year last season, uh, but then he was suspended for the rest of the year. Uh, should be getting a lot of his minutes back, and I I reckon the Hornets are going to be seeing a lot more attention with Melo Ball in the fold, and if Malik Monk can improve upon his, his uh, third season, well, then that could be good for him too. I mentioned this guy's teammates last last week as targets. Those were Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White. Uh, but Larry Markinen, he's a pretty good target currently for all the same reasons. If you want more of those reasons, just go to last week's video. Uh, Cameron Johnson, he's another guy that really started putting together some nice performances down through the stretch of the end of last season. Uh, and he should benefit just as much as anyone from playing with Chris Paul. And then lastly, kind of a really deep sleeper, Mie Oni. He was a rookie last year who essentially got no run at all. I think he played in like 10 games. Um, but everything coming out of the Jazz organization is that they really think he can actually be a rotation piece here in year two. Uh, so super huge shot in the dark on that guy. But you know what? No one's talking about him outside of Utah. And he figures likely to see some action in the near future. Uh, so this could all change rather quickly. All right. Uh, that's all the time I have for today. Hope you found some valuable information in that video. Um, please be sure again, go to our discord channel. You can find the link for that on our Instagram page, join it. You'll be automatically entered into the, to the drawing and then also go follow SX breaks on Instagram and be ready for any future breaks. Uh, we'd love to get some cards in your hands. All right. Thank you so much for listening. That's all the time I have for today. We'll see you next week.